strangers welcome to the strange sessions as always i'm kristen with me is kurt and we are feeling extra patriotic today because it's the fourth of, of july. july yes it is so happy fourth of july don't and um blow your hand off or anything seven days till my birthday <gasps> seven july 11th 7 11 7 11 70 i'm gonna be 51 <gasps> dang i know 51 i'm know. gonna be 45 and it's so funny because like when my students would ask me how old i was they're like there's no way they're like, you act like a kid. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I just had a coworker. We were talking about something. I think we were talking about drinking on the 4th. And I was like, I'm too old for that. And he was like, you're what, 30 something? And I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Because he's in his early 20s. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to be 45 next month. He's like, shut up. Yeah, no, I can't. We've got that going for us, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Our eternal youth. That's better than nothing, I guess. Yeah, totally. Although I'm also like a super old person in some ways and I'm yeah. in bed by like sure. seven o'clock at night. But when you get to be this age, that's the life, man. It is. It <laughs> is. Saying no to all things is just awesome. I caroused <laughs> back when I was younger. Now it's time to just yeah, chill. I've had, I've, trust me, I've had my wild days of getting home when the sun is coming up. Drinking your ayahuasca tea. and Now I'm getting up before <laughs> the sun comes up. No, I've never drank ayahuasca That's what I got right here tea. in my cup oh, yeah. from McDonald's. It was <laughs> special at McDonald's today. Wow. <laughs> Egg McMuffin and ayahuasca tea. <laughs> that's great. Uh, Quickly, before we forget... Because we always do. If you're just tuning in for the first time and you don't want to sit through this first 20 minutes, we call the titillating 20 where we Which do... we don't blame you for. Yeah, Some people do. You. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I would probably skip through it if I'm being honest. But <laughs> we're going to do a taste test. We're going to welcome new strangers. Not in that order. Um, if you don't want to sit through that, check your show notes. Kurt is posting the timestamp of the actual start of the topic in those show notes. Yes. We won't be offended. Nope. We won't know, actually. Yeah, so... Unless you tell us. And if you want to tell us, that's fine, too. <laughs> and then we're going to be really depressed. <laughs> that be sad. Uh, shout outs to our newest strangers. And those are Branston Shortbread, which makes me hungry for like Lorna Dune shortbread cookies because nice. I love Lorna Dunes. I saw his name and I was like, I wonder if that's real. Uh, Trista Shaw. Asher Konechny, that is my nephew that was able to join Facebook because he turned 13 oh. and he made us like another logo you that we're going to start using. You have to be 13 to join? Yes. Oh, yeah. He did make a really cool yeah, logo. Yeah. So we're going to have to start, because he asked me when we're going to start using that. And it's like, uh, we, you and I should like maybe get together like during the, sometime to like, because we're always like bad with planning stuff. We're always like, we need to talk about that. And oh, yeah. I feel like we, that was what was nice about going to the school was that we had time in the car to talk about oh, stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah, we did. Um, But welcome, Asher. Love you. Yes, welcome, Ash Asher. Man. And happy birthday. Yes. Ashton ja Ashton Jacqueline. And I always want to say Jake Wellen from that, from that video, that YouTube thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Were they mispronounced? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Emma Garrett, Chris Grew, Roland Montgomery, Sam Sklar, Travis Trantham, Mason Circus, that is my friend Miranda's nephew, okay. I believe. And I want to give a special shout out to my friends Brooke and Marcy because I met them for lunch yesterday. Uh, and it was cute because Marcy came, I was outside sitting at the, the chair outside the place and she came walking up and she's like, I feel like I should ask you for your autograph or something because <laughs> she's been cute. listening to the podcast all the time. And she said, said it's so weird that every time she listens, she's like, I know that guy. That's funny. You know, and I want to give a shout out to the Quite Unusual podcast uh, hosted by Noel and Nicole. I've been listening to that a lot lately because they did a 
episode on Kristen Smart, and I'm I'm like fascinated with the whole story about mm-hmm. Kristen Smart and about how this guy didn't get arrested for her disappearance until just recently. Mm. So I listened to their episode about it, and I've downloaded a couple other ones. So hi guys. Did you want to talk about the Podfest episode that came out? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like people really like it so far. Uh, I haven't we released yet, if I'm being and <laughs> a huge thank you to Brad yeah, from for organizing. Yeah, because he um, organized the whole thing, and then he messaged us and he's like, "I don't know if you guys are interested," and we're like, "Sure." Yeah. So we are on there with I believe six other yep. podcasts, yeah. and we each do like a twenty minute segment. And from what I've heard, everybody loves it. I haven't listened to it yet lately either. But like I texted you, it was neat when I was transferring it over to MP3 and all that. And I was like scrolling through it. It's neat listening to like other people talking on, you know, it's not our podcast, but to be on the podcast that other people are on. I think that's cool. That's a fun little project. We're going to listen. We're heading up north today for my dad's birthday. Yep. And uh, we'll listen on the way up and back. I think it's about an hour and a half drive, so we'll have to probably finish it on the way back. But yeah, because I think it's like two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's a long but, one. But, you know, 20 minutes each from, from seven different. Yeah. So I think that's awesome. Nice one-stop shop. So we, that I should be. I think they're mostly true crime, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, that should mostly, like, I am I love doing true crime stories. Me too. You know, but like, missing like I said, sometimes it's rough because they can be super rough. Yeah. So maybe we'll start to incorporate more true crime, but more like somebody's missing or they don't know what happened Mm -hmm. or, you know, we might not really touch on ones that are cut and dried, like this person killed this person, but ones that have like a weird, like mysterious thing about it. Yeah. Those are the ones like I like to cover in the mini mysteries. Yeah. Like the strange vanishing stories. Um, what else? What, what other else? housekeeping do we got? Thank you guys for the giving us the coffee money. Oh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> it just keeps pouring in. So thank you guys so much. Kurt's talking about our Ko-Fi website. Yes. It's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, so that's what I was going to mention. Before I was like, we had to remember to talk about this on the episode. And I, then I couldn't remember. Yeah, so if you're a supporter, if you've even supported us with just a one-time donation, We're going to load this episode unedited onto that website sometime this week. Please be patient. It's our first time in foraying, you know, it's it's our first foray into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I post to YouTube in a private way so that nobody can stumble across it, but put the link on our Ko-Fi page so that our supporters can see it. So I'll get that all figured out, but I will get it posted this week. So you will get to see an unedited version. Kurt and but I that's just where I think Patreon talking. has a thing where we can upload it directly to Patreon. Probably. And yeah. then we don't have to, then people. Can I don't know only that I want to try to maintain two, two sites, different though. Things. I mean, yeah. I'm struggling with just the one. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we need an intern. Uh, um, That's all I had for housekeeping, I think. It's going to be hotter than the hubs today. I know. It's supposed to be really, and really tomorrow, hot today. Like 90. Um,. A lot of people really were fascinated by the the uh, Trini Gibson yeah, episode. I agree, and that I ha- love, I think that had a lot of listens really fast. It, yeah, because I when I got on yesterday to upload the the Podfest episode, I just sent you the this. I took a picture of how many mm-hmm. people listened last week, and it was like I think it was the most we've ever had in one week. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like floored when uh, Laura actually posted something. Laura Rist. Be- yeah. yeah, or I don't know if it's Risty or Rist. Oh yeah, I don't know either. But I was just there is an E at the end, right? Yeah, but I had, all of a sudden. I'm... <coughs> oh, <geez>. <coughs> <coughs> Do you need the Heimlich? <laughs> I might. Holy cow! That ayahuasca is really getting to you. I got it extra strong. Today. I think coughing makes you higher too. <laughs> Great, I'm going to be seeing machine elves. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I was laying in bed and all of a sudden I got a notification and I'm, I looked at it and I'm looking at the name and I'm like, is that Laura Riss? And then she posted something. And I was Funny. like, which is awesome. I'm like sure I said, she must search for that name yeah, or which is her good name because, or whatever. I mean, she's, she's yeah. doing her part to keep totally. it out there. And a lot of people that I talked to were really, really uh, touched by that case. Mm-hmm. And, and like I was, like I want to know what happened and I want to keep it in the public eye so that she doesn't get forgotten. Right. And that if so, that the person that did this gets... Brought to justice. Yeah, like, like the Kristen Smart thing. <laughs> Somebody's finally arrested for, mm-hmm. for her death, you know? So yeah, so that was cool. So I'm glad everybody liked that episode. I really did too. And I thought we were going to maybe get hate mail because it was nothing paranormal. No, but we do missing person cases like that. Yeah. I think missing 411 a lot of the times. It would suck if it was something paranormal and then everybody's blaming Robert for. <laughs> right, no so, kidding. So that stinks. But, uh, so yeah, just I'm, we're really glad you guys liked that one because that one was one of the ones that was kind of really personal to me. But I feel like even when we talk about missing 411, it's not super paranormal. You know what I no, mean? No, it's not. It's usually somewhere usually in the pretty, theories. We try but... to be rational about yeah. stuff. So I think that's really all I have for housekeeping. Okay. Jump uh, into taste, taste test. test. So do we always, we keep picking out of the Norway box well, and add a Adam new one? Well, this is from Adam and Sophie. Yeah. Let's just do Adam and Sophie's. Just them? Okay. And then we'll go back to the Norway box. I know what this is. Ooh. You said it's good. Yes. Okay. Oh, and they didn't like go nuts with taping. By the way, thank you, Sophie, for ordering two t-shirts. Nice. I hope you like them. I sent them to Toy and Bee t-shirts last week. Ugh. I'm still... <laughs> I have a lot of listeners that, I'm, that I talk to that have stuff going on right now, so I just want to give a special huge shout out to Sophie and Allie. Allie's going through stuff. Sophie's going through stuff. So just want to say love you guys, and I hope things are going to be okay. Yeah. Thinking about you guys. Yeah. That was pretty painless for you I opening know. that. Hold on. Okay, so let's get in here. Ooh. This reminds me of, like, <laughs> like mash, or, like, the type of camouflage, like, that's used in, on, like, military bases. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. Like, they drape it over a building. Okay. Weird side note. Ooh. Cheesy puffs. Real cheese. They said that these are like well known there in Minnesota that this is like. Earl's old fashioned oh, cheese puffs. I, I want to see what he said. He said something funny. While you're um, doing that, I'm going to take a picture. Okay, you ready for me to open this? Yeah, I can't find where Adam said it, but he said it has like enough saturated fat to kill a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Krista, let's not get crumbs all over the table. I'm just going to reach in and grab a, like a small handful. Okay. Earl's Old Fashioned Cheese Puffs. Mm, smell good. It's oh, funny. Smell we just good. did cheese puffs, too. I know. Too. We have more cheesy poofs. Okay, you ready? Ready. Cheesy poofs. Does that oh. make you think of South Park? These mm. are really buttery. Mm-hmm. Really buttery. Oh. Mm. Wow. Intensely cheesy. <laughs> These are really mm. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Yeah, he wasn't lying about the saturated fat. How much saturated fat is there? Three grams. How many? Three grams. Is that a lot? I Three? think so. Three grams? Oh, my God. Mm. Mm. I'm good. Wow. I'm going to give those a 10. I'm going to give them a 10, too, because yeah. these are like some of the best cheese puffs I've and had. And they don't taste artificially cheesy. Like no. it says, real cheese. That It's like really... Strong, like sharp cheddar kind of flavor. Mm. But they are really 
oily and, and buttery. buttery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're really good. Yeah, they have like a crunchy. Oh my God. They're crunchy and almost chewy at the same yeah. time. Oh. Mm-hmm. By the way, Sherry thinks it's so funny when you make that noise. What? Uh. When, I have my, when I have my foodgasm? That's, yes. <laughs> She's like, he always makes that noise when he really likes something he's yeah. tasting. It's funny. People have called it foodgasm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Which I can say in this episode because this, we're going to make this episode explicit. Mm-hmm. We're going to mark it explicit. Just I think be- we're even going to put in the description on Instagram and Facebook yeah, too, just, just in case. Just because it's about drugs yeah. and I don't want somebody getting the idea to try what we're talking about yeah. and stuff like that. And I, th- there's a question that I was saving for today because it's kind of n- not explicit, but it, it should be under one. Not that, for that, strangelings? Yeah, it should be one that's, well, they can hear it, but it just deals with SEX. Oh, well, I don't know that we want strangelings to hear that. No. We'll get I think to, some we'll get of our strangelings we'll to, are pretty young. We'll get to that when we get to our listener questions. Okay. But other than that, I think do we have any? I feel it. like we're forgetting something. <laughs> Always. Oh, these I are so good. Forgot to put our. I was going to put something on the wall behind us that. T- <laughs> Kurt just put a whole handful of cheesy poofs in his mouth, but not all of them made it there. And now he's trying to pick them up off the floor. Kurt, we just got rid of the ants. <laughs> Okay. There, did you find two? Because you definitely dropped two. I think it was just one. Oh, I saw two tumble down your shirt. <laughs> they rolled down the front of your shirt. We'll we'll get that figured out before we leave. Is it in like your pocket? That'd be hilarious. It'd be awesome. Right? I'd have a little snack for later. I'd be like, ooh, cheesy poof in my pocket. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so today's story. This is this is a side note. This is the last episode. That was done on my original Strange Sessions laptop, Ooh, yeah. which lasted me for... It's a lot bigger. Yeah, this one is a lot bigger, but it, the, the first one lasted me for five years. Dang. And it was a cheap, I think $150 laptop that came with 32 gigabytes of memory, and that's nothing. Hmm. That's like, probably this what this flash has. drive that I hand you has, this, I think, 64 gigs, so that flash drive has twice as much as that computer did, but I had to stop it from updating. Mm-hmm. And, I think we had the same, you had the same yeah. one that I have here. Yeah. And because I had, it, but then I think updates were like sneaking through because I was gradually running out of space. Oh. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm sick of worrying about running out of space. So now I transferred it to this one. So this is my new Strange Sessions computer. Which you had and you just hadn't used. I just, it's been sitting at home. I haven't touched it because I was storing all my music and everything on there. Ah, gotcha. So now this is my new one. I hope it treats us well for the next five years. All right. Um... So today's story, like I said, it's going to be marked explicit because it is about... Yeah, we're not going to be dropping F-bombs. It's more the topic. It's more the topic. It's it's about drugs. And this, this is... I think somebody suggested we do this as a story like years ago. And I had never heard of any of this at the time. And then I started hearing more and more about this. So I figured we would do it. So we're going to talk about like two different things in this episode. So here's the first one. According to a MelMagazine.com article called, quote, The Delirious Cult of Recreational Benadryl Users, the, well, article, yeah, <laughs> the article says, quote, Benadryl, the first antihistamine ever approved by the FDA, has a long and rosy history as one of America's favorite over-the-counter drugs. Sold in capsule, tablet, or liquid form nearly everywhere since 1980, it's often used to alleviate symptoms like itching, sneezing, and increased mucus production that results from allergies and colds. 
and sometimes you also take it to sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a, I've done that. Yeah. Um, somebody I used to work with used to take it all the time for sleep mm-hmm. because it's supposed to help with that. It really does. Yeah, because it blocks the itch enhancing compound histamine. It's a solid fix for insect bites and hives, but its chemical action as a serotonin reuptake inhibitor makes it a handy fix for insomnia, anxiety, nausea, 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 and tremors associated with Parkinson's disease too. Oh, so it does a little, yeah, I didn't know that. It does a little bit of everything. Because of this, it's developed a reputation as somewhat of a panacea. Panacea? Panacea means something that heals kind of everything. Okay. I think it's panacea. Winning over itchy Americans with its ability to nip any medicine cabinet problem in the bud without serious risks or side effects. Given its upstanding history, it's hard to envision Benadryl as a terrifying drug. But for those who choose to abuse it, it can be. Unlike other over-the-counter antihistamines like Claritin, Allegra, or Zyrtec, Benadryl contains an active ingredient called diphenhydramine, or DPH, that can act as a psychoactive deliriant at high doses, producing full-blown visual and auditory hallucinations that last anywhere from minutes to hours at various levels of intensity. And this is like, I, this is a really uneasy subject for me mm-hmm. because I hate talking about drugs, and I especially hate talking about like hallucinogenic drugs. Did you this, watch Breaking Bad? Yeah. Are you going to get to the... Is this what they use... To make meth, I don't There's remember. There's some over-the-counter. I think I don't. I don't think it was Benadryl, medicine. but okay. Because because I know a lot of like when I have a bad cold or my allergies are super bad. If I want to get something from, I have to go to like the pharmacy counter and and right. They, they, Even though it's over the counter, uh, one of my friends I used to work with, Brian, he was one of my supervisors. Said they actually asked him once why he was buying it mm-hmm. so much. He said it was like the only thing that works for his allergies. Yep. And they it's keep not tra- it's not Benadryl then. No, but they keep track of of how I much. I think it you has buy. the opposite effect yes. on you. It's like more yeah. of an upper than a downer. Yeah, because okay. Benadryl you can still just pick up off the shelf. Yeah, and that's part of the problem with it is why people abuse it is because you can just pick it up right. off the shelf. And I hate talking about this stuff, so like researching this one was uh, just left me feeling creepy. So I didn't like it. According to Laura Hong, managing director of the virtual medication management service, my pharmacist friend. Doses higher than 300 milligrams can produce this effect, but most anecdotal accounts cite 500 milligrams as a minimum requirement to produce delirium. So what is a normal, just like you're trying to, is it like 25 or something like that? 25 milligrams? I'm just trying to get my head around like how much people are taking to get high. Sorry, I just threw Kurt right off track. (laughs) No, Benadryl dosage. I don't know why 25 milligrams jumps out at me, but... So one to two chewable tablets would be 12 and a half milligrams to 25. So two of them would probably be like 25. And people are taking up to 500? Yes, or more. Wow. Yeah. And it just boggles my mind. This was actually going around recently within the last couple of years. It was a TikTok challenge, a Benadryl challenge about how many Benadryl you can take. Oh my gosh. Which is just floors me at stupidity of people sometimes. But Well, all those challenges are stupid if you ask me. At that level, users can expect hallucinations, dysphoria, confusion, memory disruptions, extremely dry mouth, and a maddening inability to pee. (laughs) But unlike low-dose Benadryl, they're unlikely to get off side effect free. It's not uncommon for high-dose recreational users to experience things like lasting sexual dysfunction, cognitive problems, blurred vision, heart issues, liver damage, and addictive symptoms after their trip. And long-term use has been shown to increase the risk of both Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm. In some cases, Hong said, overdosing on Benadryl can even lead to death. 
Though most recreational Benadryl users seem to be teens and 20-somethings, they don't appear to actually enjoy the high they post about so much. Rather, as can be seen in the posts and comments of Reddit's many DPH subreddits, they tend to agree that getting high on Benadryl absolutely sucks. For starters, the trips, described by even its biggest fans as hellish, grotesque, grating, and effing horrible. So why do they do it? I don't know. Are nothing like the beautiful ego ablating hallucinations of LSD and shrooms. Instead, they're often characterized by teeming swarms of Benadryl insects, shadow people, and a so-called hat man with white eyes who appears to haunt users even after their trips end. Hmm. There's no reward to these trips either, mostly. They're empty and meaningless, like walking through a haunted house alone. Likewise, its high-dose side effects, delirium, seizures, psychosis, liver failure, lingering depression, and coma, are both rampant and debilitating, prompting most users on the Reddit DPH boards and beyond to beg others to stay far, far away. Worse, its reputation as the, quote, world's least addictive recreational drug seems to be patently false. Many users say that their trips have left them caught in Benadryl's clutches with no way out. Interesting that they're seeing the hat man. Yeah, that is, that's one of the things that shows up a lot in this. Mm. And uh, it's just like, like you said, I don't get why people, maybe people do it just because they see it on the, on the TikTok challenge or to see these things thinking that it's going to be like some enlightening LSD trip. And it's not, it's, it's instead this, it sounds like hellish. It sounds horrible. But they keep doing it. But they keep doing it because you might get hooked on it. Yeah. So it's just, it's bizarre. So kind of one of the people that started this whole thing was somebody on Reddit named Cedric Lightberry. That's his username, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. So he was one of the first people to experimentally take a huge dose, and he wrote about it on Reddit. He took an 1,800 milligram dose. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Which is insane. Yeah, that is. But but like researching this, you you see stuff about people you know, getting like the bottle of 25 or, or like whatever and, and downing the whole thing at once. And that just floors me that people do this. Well, I hate swallowing pills. <laughs> so you wouldn't be <laughs> so able to do the this. the process would be a nightmare. Yeah. So this is directly from Cedric Lightberry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Took 1,800 milligrams 1800 DPH. Milligrams. Quote, Before I start the trip report, I should warn you kids not to do this much DPH, no matter what. I did it. I've seen it. Don't follow my stupidity. You don't want to go there. Trust me. So about 30 minutes after taking the pills, I started feeling heavy. The feeling was getting increasingly stronger. I tried my best to keep my mind blank, but failed and started freaking out right after gaining approximately 400 pounds and having my ears ring so badly I couldn't hear anything else, including my own voice when I tried talking. Then for a short moment, my vision went black and white, then flashed back to normal again. After this, the ringing began to go away, and after it was gone, the visuals kicked in. Hardcore. First thing I remember, my ceiling, walls, and floor were melting, and I was being pulled down by an enormous force. However, moving wasn't too difficult after a bit of trying. Every shadow in my room was crawling with insects. Apart from a big, juicy taco right above my head, there was a cluster of centipedes on the floor, and some of them were running around the table. They wouldn't go away when touched. The longer I stared, the more of them would appear until I wasn't in my room anymore. Everything around me was a moving, living mass. I don't remember what else happened in this stage or how I escaped it, but after it went away, some inanimate objects appeared to be breathing and I was afraid to touch them. Example, keys of the keyboard. I had an extremely dry mouth, so I got up and went to get myself a glass of water. It didn't help much, but I drank a lot anyway. 
After finishing the third glass, I heard music coming from the other room, so I went there to check it out. First thing I noticed, there was a human-sized creature standing in the corner. I assumed it was... I could see Krista shaking her <laughs> no. head. I could just, out of the corner of my eye, I could see Krista shaking her head like, nope. Ugh. After finishing the third glass, I heard music coming from the other room, so I went there to check it out. First thing I noticed, there was a human-sized creature standing in the corner. I assumed it was a doll. It would lose its parts, arms, leg, head, etc., from time to time, but as soon as I looked away and looked back again, it was whole again. I was afraid to touch it because I was sure it would hurt me. The doll stayed in that corner, disassembling and reassembling itself again and again during this whole stage of the trip. So strange. Second thing I've noticed, there was a man dressed in black, his head buried in shadows, sitting on the sofa, and several other people slash creatures wandering around and then fading later. Not all of them went away, though. Some shadow figures got more human-like in time, and I had some conversations with who I thought were my friends. Everything was extremely realistic. I could touch, hear, and smell them. But after a while, most of them went away, but the dark man on the sofa stayed where he was. So I went up to him and sat down as well. I couldn't see his face, but didn't pay much attention then. I believe this, my friends, was the hat man himself. All the interaction we had was a handshake and a bit of talking. A handshake? Yep. I said hi to him, and he said, hello, Cedric, back. Then I asked him if I was going to die. He was quiet for a while, and then he said, don't go to Iriel. And that, that is one of the things we're going to be talking about is this, it's Iriel, Iriel, it's E-I-R-I-E-L. Okay. Iriel. And what that is, is people have, from this, people named Iriel, or I, I'm going to say Iriel, the land where all this is happening, that it's like a whole separate land that these people are going to. Okay. Or Iriel could be... Like a parallel universe like, or... Like death. Like Iriel okay. could be like where you go sure. when you die. He was quiet for a while and then said, don't go to Iriel. After those words, there was a sudden flash of light and I found myself standing in the kitchen with a broken glass on the floor. I went to check the room I was meant to be at. Nothing was there. Suddenly, I felt that the message I got was very important and I had to tell others. So I went back to the room to my computer and tried to post this phrase on this thread, only to find out that I was standing at the other side of the room facing the wall. Then I would go back to the computer and repeat what I did, but it would always end up the same. I was stuck in a loop. This uh. was extremely terrifying. I think nothing during this trip scared me as much as the thought of being stuck in that loop forever. After this repeated about six or seven times, I sent, quote, am I actually typing this? Which surprisingly got through. I was extremely relieved. Then another flash followed, and I would hear people knocking at my door. I would go and let them in. We talked then. One of the guests turned out to be my father, who was dead. I repeat, everything I saw and heard was extremely realistic, and I took it as reality. I was paralyzed by horror for a moment when I realized I was dead. It was so clear now. I took too much DPH, too much to come back from where it took me. I asked my father if I was dead. He said no. Then I asked how I could be here with him, and he answered, quote, If you can be, then you are not dead. We mostly just sat together quietly ignoring the others. They were going on with their own conversations. When a dark-haired young man came up and offered me a cigarette, I took it and smoked it for a bit. It would always become a new, freshly lit one after taking my attention off of it for a while. Suddenly, the room went silent. I looked around to see what was up. Everyone was gone. My room window was covered with moths now. I figured the people in my room were those moths from the very beginning. After yet another flash, I was laying on my floor with a Sahara desert for a mouth and a mild headache. I managed to go and lay down on the bed. There are many blackouts from this point. Basically, all I can remember are, are vague whispers saying, don't go to Iriel, repeating from time to time. And then I realized finally I was the one saying that. 
Tacos were crawling on my sheets and visual distortions of the room were happening. My thoughts wouldn't stop bothering me. I thought I could hear screaming. I felt heavy and sick. I probably fell asleep at some point, but I have no clue what I did before then because there are just way too many gaps and no one to tell my story from a different angle. Hmm. So that's his story. And after he posted this, he became like the figurehead of this DPH mm-hmm. cult or whatever. And, and Ariel or Ariel was the name of the land you were going to where you would run into the hat man. I feel like there's like a this. definite theme of like looping with his experience. Yes. Yeah. Things going back to like him sitting at the computer and then finding himself at the wall or a cigarette relighting or yeah. something earlier. That's strange. It could be just like in his you know, in yeah. his mind. He posted. I feel like this would be a nightmare for anyone who has anxiety just oh, in God. their normal life. It gives me anxiety just listening to <laughs> right. it, much less experiencing that. But he um he posted a second trip, but that that's like three pages long in my notes. So yeah. if you want to read that, you know, I can maybe post links to him in there, but it's a lot the same. It's a lot of like weird stuff happening. Uh rats this time, a black rat fell out of my sleeve. Ugh. Uh uh, you know, I I quickly stood up and I was approached by my mother. She was crying and she said, why did you do this, Cedric? We warned you. You know, and mm-hmm. it, that's more stuff about Iriel, about not going to Iriel. And it's just like creepy and bizarre. And then people didn't know if he died, if he tried a third time and died, but apparently he didn't. But also it's Reddit. You don't know if this right. guy is on the up and up. Yeah. But from his reports, a lot of people started to... to abuse benadryl and they said that they went to this iriel wherever he was this where you know and it's not clear if some people believe iriel is where he went where he was talking to like the the moth things and all that Mm -hmm. but other people say the hat man telling him don't go to iriel is the land you go to when you die okay so there's a lot of confusion about what iriel is yeah Yeah. (laughs) but basically it's this land that you can only go to through the abuse of of, uh, specifically Benadryl. specifically like overdosing on Benadryl okay and it's weird because there's report you know there's a lot of you can like look this up on DPH DPH reddit threads but there's a lot of people that take that like overdose on it and say that they went to places where it's the shadow man talked about Iriel and a lot of this stuff happened so this is Do like a shared, suggestibility though it could be suggestibility like they read that he had that and then that stayed in their mind it's somewhere. very possible it's very possible um, I did have this thought though. What if, you know, everybody, people, a lot of people believe that we all have psychic abilities. Yeah. We just, whatever, yeah. that what if this drug or drugs in general open that part of you it's up very and possible. you're seeing things it's, that it's, are actually there yeah, it's very all possible. the time. Yeah. And that you don't <laughs> see when you're sober. Which is really terrifying to think about actually. So on October 21st, first. <laughs> October 21st. That's Lucy. That's how Lucy would say it. <laughs> she has a lisp, you know. An October 21st, 2020 article on maddiviner.com says, quote, Legend has it that large doses of Benadryl transport you to a horrific hellscape known as Iriel. Iriel is, as the art above implies, and they had like a psychedelic looking picture, you yeah, know. Of course. Yep. Iriel is, as the art above implies, inhabited by hostile shadow people. Many also said that they saw a being wearing a hat, the hat man, in other words. Some people referenced actually encountering each other in Iriel while they were both tripping. These are the stories, anyway. This began with people, mostly in their late teens or early 20s, who would take a breakthrough or trip dose of Benadryl around 700 milligrams. 
If you've ever looked at a package of the stuff, you might know that the normal therapeutic dose is only 25 to 50 milligrams, so the 700 Club, as they call themselves, was massive by comparison. In some cases, people would take even larger doses, up to a gram or more. I needn't explain how dangerous this is, but people would do it both to escape reality and for imaginary internet points, which is exactly it. Like, if you're on Reddit, you're like, oh, I'm going to be cooler than this guy and take two grams of it. Some folks wishfully compared it to psychedelics like LSD, but it's not. Benadryl is a deliriant, whereas on a dose of a psychedelic, you will likely be able to distinguish between hallucinations and reality. That barrier is removed with DPH. And unlike something like LSD or DMT, I've never heard of anyone, quote, coming back from Iriel with any kind of useful information or wisdom. It's mostly just fear. The person who coined the term Iriel had a stroke during that particular trip. The bottom line, Benadryl may be great for allergies and occasional insomnia, but don't take a massive dose hoping to astral project into the shadow realm and chill with ambiguous creatures like the (laughs) hat man. It won't be fun or enlightening, and you'll come to realize that it's not worth it. So Reddit user 26LT said, quote, Iriel is a realm that is typically accessed via taking large quantities of hallucinogenic delirium drugs, such as DPH. It is characterized by an almost complete disconnection from reality. Often, while in Iriel, people will spend hours walking around, talking to people, swatting phantom bugs, and then blink and realize they've just been standing in one spot. And everything that had just occurred was a hallucination. Shadow people, including the Hat Man, are almost always there as well. It should be known that Iriel is not a goal, by the way. There is a very, very good chance that you will either either die or truly mess up your life as a result of taking whatever dose of whatever drug necessary that is required to reach Iriel, especially DPH. It is objectively terrible for your mental and physical health, and you should never go there. I'd like to think that almost every drug has its own type of realm that you can tune into, kind of like a radio station you tune into by taking drugs. Not every single drug can make you reach whatever realm you are tuning into, but just like when you tune a radio, but not all the way, and can faintly hear the station, but it's muffled by what mostly sounds like static, that they can at least do something like that. That's an interesting analogy. It is. The shadow realm is a realm of which you can enter by taking deliriant substances. It is looked at as a forbidden place, and compared to the realms that drugs like LSD, DMT, MDMA can get you towards, the shadow realm is a very lonely place, for rarely does anyone go there. So when you take something like a high dose of DPH, you are greeted by spiders, insects, and shadow people. Speaking of shadow people, there's also the Hat Man. The Hat Man is a mysterious dark-hatted apparition-slash-shadow person that many delirium users hallucinate at high doses. Some believe that he is the master of the shadow realm. Some say that he follows them around in an attempt to take them somewhere. However, I say that Hatman is just often misunderstood. Maybe he isn't a malevolent demon waiting to take you away when you dose too hard. He honestly might just be a cool guy trying to warn you and to maybe chill with you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And to maybe warn you about Benadryl. You're flying a bit too close to the sun, and Hatman just wants to give you a little reminder not to go over your limits. And he may remind you never to go to Iriel, which some people say he has told them. Also, it's not his fault he looks the way he does. People assume he has bad intentions because of his whole look, but in reality, he might just be a good friend. I feel like this guy's never seen the hat, man. Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't think he just wants to chill with you. No, I don't think so either. But it is interesting interesting that in a lot of these situations where people encounter him, he warns them. He says, don't go to Iriel. So maybe he's cool. I don't know. Maybe. Reddit user XAnnaX says, quote, trust me, it's a horrible experience. I abused DPH for three weeks. I saw dead people sitting in cars, strange things following me. Animals came up to me and then disappeared instantly. But the scariest thing that happened to me 
was that I stopped and talked to a man with the head of a goat. He asked me who I was and what I was doing here. I remember talking to him for hours, but my friends told me I was just mumbling to myself for two or three minutes. I saw my dead relatives while talking to him. The worst is that I felt I was followed by somebody. That was my first time doing DPH. I ran until I was home just because I thought death itself was after me. I felt the fear on my spinal cord every step on my road home. Reddit user The Hall writes, Iriel, 1.2 grams to 2 grams. Psychedelics have hyperspace. Disassociatives have holes. And delirians have Iriel. Iriel is characterized by almost complete disconnection from reality. Often people at this level will spend hours walking around. This is what I read before. And he says that unlike most other hallucinogens, it's very dangerous and can easily kill you or cause permanent damage. And that's the thing, like hallucinogens generally don't like kill you. I mean, they can maybe if you take enough, but it sounds like this is a completely different level yeah, than, I, they than, can, than I think LSD. They can leave you mentally and emotionally yes, messed up though. Yeah, but I feel like it's easier to overdose. Like I said, I have no experience with any of this stuff, but I think especially the amount that they're taking for to 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 visit Iriel or whatever. Well, I feel like Benadryl messes with your what am I trying to say? Your nervous system? Uh, yeah. You know what I I'm saying? So. It'll yeah. slow your yep. heart down. So I can yep. see how taking too much of it could yep. Quite literally, make your heart stop beating. Yep. I don't know. I'm just I, this Reddit user spitballing. But goes on to say, seizures are not uncommon, and a high risk of death or serious health complications, including including stroke and heart attack, is present above 1.5 mm-hmm. grams. So you're probably like you were saying, like probably that whole system. Your nervous system. Yeah, it's yeah. it's gonna. I think other hallucinogenics yep. like LSD more mess with your brain. Yeah. He said, I personally have dosed this high one time in a suicide attempt. I guess that I took at least 1.5 grams, but I was aiming for four. I do not remember much of the trip at all, as I believe I spent a lot of it seizing. I have a few oh. memories of the trip, which I don't think are entirely fabricated. One of them is being in a cave, throwing my flashlight at a cave demon, and then realizing I was in a hallway and had thrown my phone at my dog. Another is a general feeling of being chased by something made of teeth. (laughs) Krista just stopped. I'm putting socks on because my feet are cold and it made me stop and look at Kurt. My most horrific vision was one of seeing my entire family, as well as most of my friends or coworkers, crucified and bleeding on my front lawn and screaming at me for doing this to them. Ugh, that just gives me goosebumps. This experience combined with my previous one of the substance left me with severe HPPD, worsened by depression and caused momentary flashbacks to the delirious state for months after it happened. He says, from what I gathered, Iriel is pure chaos, delirium, and from some accounts, a Lovecraftian landscape of unspeakable horrors. Don't go there. Flashbacks, too. I mean, that, okay, you're not even high anymore, but you're still going to have moments of, That's thanks. That okay. is DPH. Good times. Yeah, not good times. Kids, stay away from the DPH. Yeah, I, I've wow. taken two Benadryl, but I think I've never, and I, I, I'm going to be afraid no to touch the stuff after I, this. because I haven't needed it for a long time. So. Oh, I took it, like, while I was researching this, I took it one night to make sure I slept, and I took it, and I'm thinking, it's just weird that I'm taking <laughs> what I'm writing about people seeing their friends and family crucified on the front oh, lawn. The irony. You know, it was uneventful but, for you, though. Yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> just one. I didn't see the Hat Man. I didn't see. I didn't talk to somebody with the head of a goat. Yeah. I didn't throw something at Narnia, thinking it was a demon. <laughs> Good. But it's just like, and and there are accounts of people, both in separate areas, 
taking this an overdose of this and then meeting each other in That's what they weird. say is Iriel and and like astral projecting and talking to like, themselves. Like do they know each other normally? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there weird. were there were attempts by people to map out this land that they were in. So it's just, it's crazy. Obsession. So yeah. And it freaks me out thinking about it. So that's Iriel. I don't... wonder if that's why people keep going back because they want to know more about Possibly. Iriel. I don't know. I just can't imagine why you would want to repeat no. that experience. So like they said, don't go to Iriel. Don't. Seriously. Stay now we out. get to DMT. Okay. Which we have talked about in a couple other episodes. We talked about it with, ast- with uh, near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. DMT is like fascinating. I have friends that have taken DMT. Do you, have you seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? No. I'm trying to think of what they take. Is There's such a famous line. Mm, is it peyote? No, I thought it was something like DMT where Johnny Depp famously says, this is bat country because he's like hallucinating bats <sighs> yeah. everywhere. I'll Google it. That, it might I be, thought DMT. It, it might they had be a DMT. trunk full of drugs. Yeah, I mean, it, it could might have been be DMT. all the drugs, but I'm just going to look it up. You can okay. talk amongst yourselves. So... <laughs> So DMT is dimethyltryptamine, mm-hmm. which is so why I'll call it DMT and not yeah. dimethyltryptamine. <laughs> you know it's also known as the spirit molecule. Okay. DMT is a hallucinogenic tryptamine drug. It's a Schedule One controlled substance in the United States, which means it's illegal to make, buy, possess, or distribute. Some cities have recently decriminalized it, but it's still illegal under state and federal law. An April 16th, 2010 article in Scientific American called, quote, DMT is in your head, but it may be too weird for the psychedelic renaissance. The article says, quote, why is DMT so fascinating? For starters, DMT is the only psychedelic drug known to occur naturally in the human body. Hmm. DMT. It is yeah. DMT. Okay. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> yep, A lot of good my Googling did. <laughs> So yeah, it, well, DMT was one of the drunk, the okay. drugs, one of the, the drugs, drums. <laughs> the drugs. <laughs> We're really struggling today. We are. Okay. In 1972, the Nobel laureate Jules Axelrod of the National Institute of Health discovered DMT in human brain tissue, leading to speculation that the compound plays a role in psychosis, dreams, or near-death experiences. Research into that possibility and into psychedelics in general was abandoned because of the growing backlash against these compounds. In 1990, however, Rick Strassman, a psychiatrist at the University of New Mexico, obtained permission from federal authorities to inject DMT into human volunteers. <laughs> I would never, right. never in a million years. Not, no, you, no. I don't care how much they're paying no. either. Strassman, a Buddhist, suspected that endogenous 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 that means like in the body i'm gonna say endogenous that endogen the dmt inside the body might contribute <laughs> to mystical experiences from 1990 to 1995 he supervised more than 400 dmt sessions involving 60 subjects at the university of new mexico many subjects reported that they dissolved blissfully into a radiant light or sensed the presence of a powerful godlike being on the other hand, 25 subjects underwent what Strassman called, quote, adverse effects, including terrifying hallucinations of aliens that took the shape of robots, insects, or reptiles. Some subjects remained convinced that these aliens were real in spite of Strassman's efforts to convince them otherwise. Even like after their... Yes. Mm. Yep. In part, out of concern about these adverse effects, Strassman discontinued his research, which he, which he describes in his 2000 book called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. 
DMT is also the primary active ingredient of ayahuasca, a tea that Amazonian tribes brew from two plants and drink as a sacred medicine. After hearing about ayahuasca from the legendary Harvard botanist Richard Schultz, the beat writer William Burroughs traveled to South America and swilled the stuff in 1953. In a letter to the poet Allen Ginsberg, Burroughs said that during his first ayahuasca trip, he thought he had been poisoned and felt himself turning into a half-man, half-woman. Burroughs nonetheless drank the tea again and praised its ability to facilitate space-time travel. I drank ayahuasca a decade ago while researching my book called Rational Mysticism. It tastes like stale beer flavored with cigarette butts. <laughs> After, not really selling it there. No. After I threw up, I had a cosmic panic attack in which I was menaced by malevolent, day-glow-hued polyhedrons. I have no desire to repeat this experience. And that the, the description is interesting, the day-glow-hued polyhedrons. So we've talked about DMT before on uh, the Strange mm-hmm. Sessions. Like I said, mostly with, I think it was just mostly with near-death experiences that they believe that's one of the reasons people have these is because your body is releasing this this hallucinogenic drug and causing you to see this Mm -hmm. one of the first people that really like looked into dmt was somebody named terence mckenna and he is the one that coined the term machine elf and we're going to get to that machine elf machine elf okay The term machine elf was coined by ethobotanist Terence McKenna for the entities he encountered in DMT hyperspace. Hyperspace is where you go when you take DMT. Like like with the DPH, it was Iriel. Uh, Hyperspace is the name that they coined for where you go when you take DMT. Also using terms like fractal elves or self-transforming machine elves. McKenna first encountered these beings after smoking DMT in Berkeley in 1965. According to an article on Ranker.com called, quote, Machine Elves are entities people see while on DMT, and they might be from another dimension. The article says, quote, After the death of their mother in the early 1970s, Terrence McKenna and his brother traveled to the Amazon basin to study the link between hallucinogens and the mind. There, they learned that shamans used a medicine called ayahuasca as a means to emotionally heal, speak with the dead, and see the future for hundreds of years. When they tried the medicine, their lives and their minds changed forever. Together, they dosed ayahuasca and studied the bruise effects for 11 whole days. When extracted DMT is smoked, the effects only last for a few minutes. However, ayahuasca is a drinkable substance brewed from the leaves of plants that contain DMT, and a single dose can produce anywhere from 6 to 14 hours of hallucinations, naturally higher doses yielding longer trips. Yikes. Yeah, no thanks. At the end of their 11-day binge, the brothers walked away with an altered perception of reality that helped them form theses about the natural world. Notably, the brothers spoke heavily of, quote, a raging universe of active intelligence that is transhuman, hyperdimensional, and extremely alien. They dubbed these transhuman creatures, quote, self-transforming machine elves, and claimed to have numerous interactions with these entities during their trip. So did they believe in this sort of stuff before no, they did this? No. Okay. In about the first minute or two of a DMT trip, according to McKenna, one bursts through a chrysanthemum-like Mandela and finds that, quote, and this is... What's a chrysanthemum-like Mandela? A Mandela, you know what a Mandela is. Like, a Mandela is like a, a pattern. Okay. I'm looking it up and all I get is Nelson Mandela and Mandela effect. Yeah, that's what, you know, that's where my mind goes. This is, this is what a Mandela is like. It's like a flowery-looking oh, okay. design. That's okay. a Mandela. 
So it's like a chrysanthemum-like Mandela that you're in, and then it bursts open, and you're freed into the hyperspace. And here we go. This is... I listened to so many podcasts about machine elves, and all of them had this this passage in there. And this is what it's like. Wow. So this is from Terrence McKenna. Terrence McKenna says, quote, One may burst through a chrysanthemum-like Mandela and find, quote, there's a whole bunch of entities waiting on the other side saying things like, how wonderful that you're here. You come so rarely. We're delighted to see you. They're like jeweled self-dribbling basketballs, and there are many of them, and they come pounding towards you, and they will stop in front of you jumping up and down. But then they do a very disconcerting thing, which is that they jump into your body, and then they jump back out again. And this whole thing is going on in a high-speed mode where you're being presented with thousands of details per second, and you can't get a hold on them. And these things are there saying, quote, don't give in to astonishment, which is exactly what you want to do. You want to go nuts with how crazy this is. And they're there saying, quote, don't do that. Pay attention to what we're doing. What they're doing is making objects with their voices, singing structures into existence. They offer things to you saying, quote, look at this, look at this. And as your attention goes toward these objects, you realize that what you're being shown is impossible. It's not simply intricate, beautiful, and hard to manufacture. It's impossible to make these things. The nearest analogy would be the Fabergé eggs. But these things are like the toys that are scattered around a nursery inside a UFO, celestial toys, and the toys themselves appear to be somehow alive and can sing other objects into existence also. So what's happening is this proliferation of elf gifts, which are moving around singing, and they are saying, do what we're doing, do what we're doing. And they're very insistent, and they say, do it, do it, do it. And then you feel a bubble come up inside your body, beginning to move towards your mouth. And when it comes out, it's not sound, but vision. You discover that you can pump stuff out of your mouth by singing, and they're urging you to do this. They say, that's it, that's it, keep doing it. We're now at minute 4.5 of the trip, and you speak in a kind of glossolalia. There is a spontaneous outpouring of syntax unaccompanied by what is normally called meaning. After a minute or two of this, the whole thing begins to collapse in on itself, and then they begin to physically move away from you. This is only four minutes in? Yeah. And then these beings physically move away from you. Usually their final shot is that they wave goodbye to you and chant deja vu, deja vu. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Multiple people have had this experience? Yeah. And there's, there's, this is like... This is crazy. This is like the hat man where people take DMT and they see these things. Yeah. And then one day, years down the road, they do a Google search and they're floored to find out that other, other people. people and that's like this other person mm-hmm. that said he saw glow colored polyhedrons, which is basically what the machine elves are. They're like, self, like they described them, self-dribbling jeweled basketballs. So strange. Yeah. I just feel like the hat man is just so much more... Um, I buy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. The, this the, is just so out this there. Machine, the machine elf stuff is weird. It's very weird. And this was this is really interesting. This actually was a Mandela effect, or not a Mandela effect, but uh, this was actually a synchronicity that like freaked me out and gave me goosebumps. But when I was typing this, when I was writing this up. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> that's why we need a video motion. camera. So I was doing like the motion of me typing it up. And I imagine that's not how you type. <laughs> when, I was, when I was typing this up... Um, I had my, I don't want to say the A name because it's going to set off people that are listening to this in their living room, but my Amazon dot, sure, sure, sure. you know, I, I was playing Yacht Rock, like 70s light rock. Yacht Rock. Yacht oh rock, my God, that's funny. Which is like Christopher Cross, Hall and Oates. Like I was playing okay. like, like light rock on it. 
And the same moments I was typing the words deja vu, deja vu, the song deja vu from the 70s was playing at the exact moment I typed that. And I didn't realize until I was actually typing the word and that said it. And then it was like one of those synchronicities where I get lightheaded because it's so weird. Freaky. But and it happened with the word deja vu, you know, so that was like a crazy synchronicity. Hmm. But yeah, so yeah, it's... I don't get why when you're leaving the hyperspace that the th- last things the machine elves say to you is deja vu, deja vu, while they're waving goodbye to you. Yeah. So, yeah. In an interview, McKenna says, quote, I encountered self-transforming machine elves, which are creatures, entities perhaps, although they're not made of matter. They're made out of, as nearly as I can figure it, syntax-driven light. They use a language which you see. It's made out of sound. It is sound, but you see it. And the entire point of this encounter from their perspective is to teach you to do this. So, yeah. To what purpose? I don't know. Hmm. Hallucinations of strange creatures have been reported by Stephen Sarza in a 1958 study in Psychotic Patients in which he described how one of his subjects under the influence of DMT had experienced, quote, strange creatures, dwarves or something, at the beginning of a DMT trip. While reporting encounters with the alleged entities, People have often described loud auditory hallucinations, such as one subject reporting typically, quote, these elf things laugh or talk at a high volume, chattering and twittering. Duder9000 on Reddit, you know, Duder9000, that's got to be a good source. (laughs) Duder9000 on Reddit says, quote, I met them when I smoked it. I was lying down and all of a sudden they were there, surrounding a different bed than the one I was lying on. They were super excited and were expecting me. Then before they could tell me anything, I shot up into some further dimension and experienced an ego death, which is the most frightening thing I've ever experienced. Let me tell you, there is a very specific feeling associated with dying and your body knows you're dying. Anyway, when I saw these elves, I had never seen artistic depictions of them before, but then later I did see pictures of machine elves and it was exactly what I saw on my trip. So do you think that they're suggesting what I said earlier, that these things are always there? Yeah, yeah. Or that they only exist within the trip? No. They're always there. They don't know. But people say that uh, so many people have seen these things. And um, Joe Rogan, on his podcast, he's taken DMT. And then he said on his podcast about DMT, he says, quote, reality dissolves and then you're there. The last trip I had was very strange. There were these weird jesters that were giving me the finger. They kept giving me the finger. I think it was their way of telling you not to take yourself so seriously. Uh And jesters are something that other people see. Jesters or harlequins are something that other people see. So it's like all these people are seeing these same things. Common themes. Yeah. And there's just so many accounts of people saying, I saw these weird metallic ball polyhedron things and and then they don't find out until later researching it that other people see the same exact thing right it's one thing if you're reading about it on reddit and then but you it's another thing it. when you don't know anything yeah. about it and then it happens to you and then you find out later in life yeah that's more credible to me a may 16th 2020 article on newatlas.com called quote largest ever dmt survey travels to the fringes of psychedelic science says quote An iconic series of experiments in the 1990s by Rick Strassman also chronicled a number of DNT-induced entity encounter experiences. Strassman's landmark book called DMT, The Spirit Molecule, describes these studies, which were ultimately discontinued after concerns began to grow about the possible adverse effects these deeply strange experiences were having on the participants. 
There is no doubt these powerful stories have created a certain narrative around DMT for several decades, but the new research set out to try to produce a volume of empirical data to better understand exactly what kinds of experiences people are having. Uh, Davis, I'm not sure who that is. Davis says, quote, There's a lot of discussion about machine elves and aliens and very intriguing encounters with robot-type beings, so that made us very curious to try to figure out, even though that that's what people reported online, is this actually what they're experiencing? The new study gathered data from an online survey, initially accessed by over 10,000 people. After whittling down responses to only include subjects with no prior diagnosis of psychosis, who were reporting pure DMT experiences that led to encountering a specific autonomous entity, the study was left with just 2,500 responses. And those responses ultimately surprised Davis and his team. The breadth of experiences recorded in the survey differed from the classically iconic narratives chronicled in Rick Strassman's landmark work. Davis says, quote, In fact, it differed so much that it really surprised us how many people were describing experiences that were very different to what Rick Strassman described. I don't think it means that those experiences weren't reported. We certainly had some people reporting the same type of experiences, but what I think our study shows is that there was a much larger variety of experiences that people have on DMT. A quote, being or guide, was the most common descriptive term used to label the entities that they encountered during the DMT experience. The vast majority of respondents also used positive emotional labels like joy, trust, love, or kindness to describe their feelings of the experience. Davis says, quote, A lot of the entity encounters that Strassman described were people being probed and prodded, kind of an alien-like situation. And that was relatively uncommon in our study. Certainly people described that to some degree, but more of what was reported was, was this benevolent, loving, joyful spirit or being that was there to communicate and relay information in some way. Gauging the metaphysical implications of these encounters, a striking 80% of all subjects reported the experience as altering their fundamental conception of reality. The majority of respondents labeled the experience as more real than their everyday waking life, and 72% claimed that the entity encountered continued to exist after the DMT experience. That's creepy. Yeah, <laughs> that that's 72% really said that they felt this being. That's or, a lot of yeah. people. Well, I don't know how many people, but that's a high percentage. Over half of the people surveyed who had identified as atheists before the DMT experience no longer identified that way afterward. So a lot of mm. people changed their their belief, their whole belief system based right. on what they experienced on their DMT trip. Because of how real it seemed. Mm -hmm. hmm. I could see how something like that would change your perspective. Oh, yeah. According to a May 26, 2021 article on the doubleblindmag.com site called Quote, Machine Elves or DMT Elves, A Journey into the DMT Spirit World, the article says, quote, And of course, this isn't to say that everyone will have a positive DMT trip. A good number of people may not enter the, quote, spirit realm. Nor is there any guarantee that experiencing DMT entities will have any spiritual significance. For many people, DMT hallucinations may actually be quite frightening. The Davis survey found that 41% of consumers felt fear during their experience. A total of 23% reported that they felt that the beings had an authoritative presence. Yeah. Authoritative? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. And 16% felt that they were negatively judged by the beings, and 11% said they felt true maliciousness. Hmm. So some people don't experience, you know, most people experience better Are things on DMT than on the Benadryl. Yeah, oh, yeah, obviously. Are they experiencing the same beings, but some of them 
feel it's negative. Some of them feel it's positive. I think positive. so. Okay. I think so. Some, you know, some people feel like feel them as guides, mm-hmm. especially like the, the, like I just have this image in my head of what these self dribbling bat jeweled basketballs look like sure. all happy bouncing yep. around trying to get you to sing stuff into existence, which is just such pressure. a weird, such like a weird, really thing. weird peer pressure. Okay. The website DMT Nexus, and this is one to go to if you want to know anything about DMT, because there's a lot of stuff on DMT Nexus. It's the Nexus of the DMT universe. Yes. The website DMT Nexus asked its members to discuss any beings they saw during their DMT trips, and here are some of them. One person said, quote, This entity was not encountered by me, but rather by a friend. He described it as being a large, giant, praying mantis but wearing a doctor's mask and carrying doctor's tools. This mantis had gems for its eyes, and it had a large, clear, crystally stomach that you could see right through. Weird. Weird details. Okay. <laughs> Another person said, quote, A man in a suit with a top hat opened up a hole for me to leave hyperspace through. I only saw him very briefly as I climbed out, but I got the feeling that he was very important. Once, I experienced these tall cone-shaped, almost like a Christmas tree, type of entities that had no face or arms or legs. They approached me, and they seemed to lean in towards me and scan me in some sort of way. Then they went through my whole body. I felt them go through my whole body in some kind of inspection. Then when they were done with me, they slowly turned away and left. I think there were three of them. Somebody else says, quote, The first entity I ever encountered was this cloaked fellow. Even though I couldn't see his eyes, I could feel them piercing straight into my heart. There was a dark purple glow around his hood that was emanating the misty energy field around his entire form. I was sitting just off the bank of a river surrounded by these tall river weeds, and he would seem to glide from bush to bush in a smooth yet strangely sporadic fashion. He seemed to take the focus, the center of the erupting fractal pattern I was surrounded by. He didn't seem to be too happy, but he kept his distance from me. He did seem to try to get closer to me if I averted my eyes away from him, though. That's creepy. Yeah, that is really creepy. (laughs) Another person says, quote, One breakthrough experience I had, I was taken to this factory where lots and lots of tiny female elf-like workers worked on some sort of production line full of machines. They were all working very hard, but they seemed very nice. They kept looking at me smiling. I was trying to figure out what, what it was that they were doing or making, And then I saw in the next room over the same type of entity sitting around small tables. They were all looking at me and still smiling as they were eating something off a plate on the table. Whatever they were making in the factory, they were eating in the next room over. It was weird, but fun. Hmm. Okay. I was hoping he wasn't going to end up being lunch. Like They keep looking at him like, yeah, he looks pretty good. Another user said, quote, I saw a flowered face with a giant grin, very tall and lanky, seemed to be constantly blossoming. During this experience... Personally, my only experience where I think I crossed over, he approached me with his arms outstretched trying to hand me something that resembled a brightly colored popsicle with the same floral design as his face. The creature seemed to be trying to show me something, to bring me to another place. It spoke in a very strange tongue, and even though I never heard the language before, I somehow felt I knew what he was saying. So yeah, and Mm. the DMT Nexus, I mean, there's lots of stories on there, uh... The site also talks about some beings that have been seen there by many people like flirty fairies, jesters and harlequins, the machine elf queen, and faceless people. Faceless people is the creepiest one. But yeah, and that's... 
Hmm. A lot of people witness these same creatures over and over and over when they go to this, when they go on a DMT trip. And a lot of times they don't know about this ahead of time until after they come mm-hmm. back. And sometimes they see it after they come back. Yeah. Sometimes they see it after they come back. And there's, but in both, one thing that's like a common thing in both the DMT and DPH is the hat man, mm-hmm. which is so weird to me it is. that he's like a common thing in both of those drug worlds, mm-hmm. you know? So is and the thing is that this was going to be one of my theories for when, when Devin was here and we did. So I'm glad I split this off into its own episode because there's some craziness here. So that's DMT. And you know why? Sounds delightful. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, it's, what's, for delightful. what's weird is that we produce DMT. That's like right. one of the things that we don't understand. Uh, the Beckley Foundation's website has an article on it called, quote, do our brains produce DMT? And if so, Why? The article says, quote, for such a simple and widespread molecule, dimethyltryptamine or DMT has done a remarkably good job at frustrating scientists. Famously dubbed the spirit molecule by Dr. Rick Strassman, this tryptamine alkaloid produces an intense psychedelic experience when ingested and appears in trace amounts in human blood and urine, suggesting that it's produced inside the body. The purpose it serves, however, remains a mystery. Though no one has managed to identify the source or function of in-the-body DMT, a number of romantic theories have been put forward. The pineal gland, which psychonauts, psychonauts are people that travel inside like the drug trips. That's what they call themselves, are like psychonauts. You're traveling inside your mind. Okay. Psychonauts and pseudoscientists have equated with the third eye. The pineal gland. It's often claimed to be the body's DMT factory, and Strassman popularized the notion that the brain releases large amounts of the compound when we dream and during death, thus explaining the profound imagery we experience when we sleep and supposedly when we enter the white light. And that makes sense that that's why we dream is it's the DMT that we're hallucinating mm-hmm. right. that, the, that our dreams are actually hallucinations caused by the DMT which I don't like yeah I don't like that idea and totally bizarre. but it makes sense it makes sense that that's why we dream is because we have of the DMT mm-hmm. last weekend at the breaking convention Europe's largest psychedelic science conference I'd love to go to that <laughs> I wonder what kind of merch you can get there <laughs> Uh, Last weekend at Breaking Convention, Europe's largest psychedelic science conference, researchers grappled with the mystery of in-the-body DMT, among other things, in order to shed a little light onto what we really know about this highly revered molecule. Among the presenters was Dr. Edie Fresca, who spoke about how DMT has been found to bind to the Sigma-1 receptor, which is found throughout the body. This receptor plays a key role in protecting cells from dying when oxygen is low, making room for the argument that DMT may indeed be released in large quantities during death in a last gasp attempt to keep our cells alive. Extrapolating from this finding, one might be tempted to hypothesize that this sudden flood of DMT may provoke the mystical encounters on the border between life and death that are often reported by those who die and are revived. And that kind of makes sense, that the DMT is rushed out to try to keep your cells alive. Mm -hmm. And one of the side effects of that is hallucinations. Right. And why people see what they see. And why people see see their relatives and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Also present was Dr. Hemo Borigan, who reported on the recent discovery of DMT in the pineal gland of rats, adding weight to the claims that this small gland may well be the source of the body's DMT. However, before the crowd could get too carried away, Dr. David Nichols took to the stage to provide a dose of scientific reality. Explaining that the primary role of the pineal gland is to secrete melatonin in order to regulate our sleep cycles, 
he reminded the transfixed audience that we are yet to uncover any evidence of DMT actually being produced in the pineal gland of humans. Furthermore, the quantity of DMT found in our blood is nowhere near enough to actually produce any effect when binding to sigma-1 receptors, which means that any claims about the compound playing a role in keeping cells alive or providing us with a mortal psychedelic send-off are at this, at this stage mere conjecture. Nichols went on to reiterate that one could just as easily theorize that in the body DMT is nothing but metabolic waste generated as a byproduct during the synthesis of neurotransmitters like serotonin or tryptophan. Rick Strassman then answered this with, quote, Japanese scientists discovered that the brain actively transports DMT across the blood-brain barrier into its tissues. I know of no other psychedelic drug that the brain treats with such eagerness. This is a startling fact that we should keep in mind when we recall how readily biological psychiatrists dismissed a vital role for DMT in our lives. If DMT were only an insignificant, irrelevant byproduct of our metabolism, then why does the brain go out of its way to draw it into its confines? It makes me wonder if certain illnesses or like schizophrenia or there's, I think, Parkinson's or something. One of those you can have like, uh, not maybe it's not Parkinson's, but you can have hallucinations. Yeah. I wonder if your body is, is creating maybe an more DMT. DMT. It's very possible. It's just, it's so weird to me that, that we still don't really know right. this. You know, like, yeah. like when you Where think about how from? advanced we think we are, <laughs> no you know, kidding. it's like that one, the commercial that used to be on years ago for that. I don't remember what drug it was, but it was like one of the pharmaceutical commercials for you know, some pill that they basically said in the commercial, doctors don't understand how this medication works. Really? They I said that right. That. No, they said that right in the commercial. Huh. Doctors are unsure how this works. And that freaks me out to think that <laughs> yeah. I don't no, know thanks. if this works, you know. <laughs> so here, take so it. sometimes I think we think we know more than we actually do. Yeah. You know, like totally. for all the studies that have been done and everything, they still don't really understand this DMT in the body, where it comes from, how it works, what it's what there is for. What is its purpose? Yeah. Hmm. And from an article on DoubleBlind.com, the article says, quote, The study of consciousness is one that spans a multitude of disciplines, from philosophy to religion and the hard sciences. But while science cannot necessarily tell us about the meaning of our experiences or ultimately why we're here, they can reveal key information about the ways in which we perceive and engage with the world. Over the past 25 years, advancements in the great wide world of neuroscience have helped us understand that our minds do not simply observe the physical world through refracted light that meets our eyes. We may actively be hallucinating it all the time. This groundbreaking theory has been the life work of popularizer Anil Sith, a cognitive neuroscientist and co-founder of the University of Sussex's Sackler Center for Consciousness Science. Wow. Mm, that's I, bet a you that, I bet you that place is cool. To oversimplify a complex topic, Seth postulates that while our conscious mind does interact and process information from the physical world, the human brain also fills in the detail from memory, experience, and expectation. Our brain actually builds much of how our conscious reality appears for us. The gist of this theory of consciousness was loosely summarized in a 2016 review published in Brain Research Bulletin. In their review, authors Teresa Carbonero and Michael Gotch write, quote, Waking reality is created in a similar way to altered states, except that the normal state correlates with events in the physical world. Thus, waking reality can be thought of as a tightly regulated psychedelic experience, and altered states arise when this regulation is loosened in some fashion. As it turns out, the construction of both waking and dreaming reality may be one of the reasons why the human body naturally produces DMT. 
at least according to a semi-recent hypothesis. In 2008, scholar J.V. Wallach proposed a novel idea. Humans and animals may naturally produce DMT as a neurotransmitter that helps us construct our everyday reality, engaging with parts of the central nervous system that control our sensory perceptions. Still, research on both externally consumed and in-the-body DMT is in its infancy. So although these hypotheses are interesting, many riddles still exist. Why do so many people on DMT see entities, for example? And why do different people have such similar experiences? Why does the spirit world seem so natural, so real, and so true? It's really unsettling to think that what I'm seeing in front of me right now is partially just a <laughs> partially fabrication yeah. of my brain, yeah. it's, and it's, it's different than what you're seeing yeah. right now? Yeah. I don't like it. No. Uh, Stressman himself offers a more practical perspective. He says, quote, It says more about our mind-brain complex than the spirit world. We can't necessarily assume that we're tapping into an objective, freestanding, external level of reality. It may simply be our brain on drugs, <laughs> he concludes. Stressman, however, believes that a combination of these factors is more likely. He says, quote, The drugs modify our brains in ways that only our individual brain can be modified because of who we are individually, and then we perceive things that we cannot normally perceive. He says, quote, These things may exist within us in our psyche, or they may exist outside of us. What is, quote, outside of us is difficult to determine because the arena, the platform which we experience the psychedelic state is our subjective mind, consciousness. Thus, it doesn't really matter, at least at this point, where that information resides. Dark matter, our visual cortex, God, UFOs, aliens, the Pleiades, whatever. What matters is how much information we can garner in that state and then how to apply it for the greatest benefit. Hmm. So he's saying that whatever these, whatever this is, these creatures, this world, he says, we don't know if it exists in us, it exists outside of us. Is it something that we're all collectively making up, you know? But he says that it's less important what it is than what, what it means and what we it. can learn from yeah. it. So I don't know. Huh. Alex Jones, on the other hand, believes that the machine elves are aliens who have influenced world leaders into doing their bidding. Alex Jones says, quote, This is what the government is into, folks. They're taking the DMT. They've got the black op commanders gobbling high-powered hallucinogens. We're in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. The clockwork elves, all of it. So yeah, that's Alex Jones <laughs> Alex for you. Alex Jones, yep. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that article finally concludes while real life shamans extract DMT from plants using organic all natural methods the same cannot be said for most of the illicit DMT found in America when faced with the lack of access to materials home cooked DMT uses a variety of poisonous substances to extract the DMT from plants the most common extractors used for street DMT are muriatic acid commonly found in pool cleaner zippo lighter fluid or lye so remember, just because the substance exists in your brain doesn't mean that it's healthy to consume. Right. And I want to end with another quote from Terrence McKenna that I really liked. He says, quote, We've been to the moon, we've charted the depths of the ocean and the heart of the atom, but we have a fear of looking inward to ourselves because we sense that is where all the contradictions flow together. Hmm. So there you go. There you Ariel and Machine Elves. That's a lot of stuff. What do you think? Uh, interesting. <laughs> it's super interesting. Well, I can believe it, though. I mean, I can. your brain is capable of crazy things, and when you add something in there that can alter your but mental it's, state. It's like, are these things, do these things, like, legitimately exist? Right. I don't know. Like, the fact that, I mean, these Machine Elves, like, so many people see these things. And, like, Joe Rogan seeing the jesters giving him the finger. So many people see jesters and harlequins and... 
So what about LSD? I don't know. They didn't really go into LSD. But, you know, I don't know. But it's it's just weird to me that so many people that take this, but like you said, some of it could be suggestibility that they're reading about machine elves and they're like, I want to see some machine elves. So they... Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, a lot of that, a lot of the, like when I did an image search for this one, there's a lot of like trippy, like psychedelic art that has like a creature in it sure. and, and stuff like that. And uh, so many people see these things and they have, they're so, they're so like across the board accurate with each other. And it's just weird that so many people see like these self dribbling basketballs, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I said, I was kind of interested that the guy called them like day glow polyhedrons, which are like a, a self dribbling basketball, mm-hmm. you know, they want to teach you how to sing stuff into existence, which I just think is like the coolest thing ever. I mean, they seem and they seem fun. like so happy to, yeah. to see you there, really you know, excited. so are these things like legit, you know, is it, is it that just people are on drugs? They're just seeing. I don't know. But I feel like there'd be such a, there'd be so many differing opinions right. on what people see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that the Hat Man shows up at both of these places and Iriel—that's what I find really strange. Yeah. So it's like, is is that is Hat Man something that comes from these realms that we can access using drugs, and then he's somehow able to come to this world? Yeah, like, because a lot know. of people who don't do this stuff have seen the Hat Man. No, like I really doubt Devin ever, like when he was a kid, was doing DMT <laughs> right. or DPH. Right. You know, but is the fact that so many people saw him is the is he able to like come easier to this world? You know, because if if people said that they bring back, like sometimes they're they're, they're opening they're, a door, they're opening a door mm. that he's able to come through. That's a freaky thought. I don't know. I don't know. This this one was weird to research this. Mm-hmm. Like reading, there's so many accounts, you know. They just seem so crazy. Yeah. I, and I definitely don't do any of this. Like I'm just mm-hmm. telling you, do not do yeah, any of this. Yeah, don't try it. We don't want to hear your results. No, we do not want to hear your results. <laughs> we don't want you taking Benadryl. Like the Benadryl one is just like so, don't so do it. dumb. Yeah, like, don't do doing that. that to yourself. Right. And You're literally risking your life by yeah, doing that. So yeah. don't do that. So I don't know. I mean, there's just so much stuff in common with this that I feel like this is a genuine thing that people are... It's hard to dismiss it. Yeah, people are like getting access to this other world through using, you know, and and so much of that stuff makes sense with the DMT in the body that that's why we have near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. What's interesting too is that depending on what drug you take, that's specific to what experience you're going to have. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I can't make heads or tail of that. Why would that be? I don't know. You know? I don't know. So I don't know. Wow. That is, that is Iriel and a Machine Elves. Interesting. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Are these creatures that people are seeing, are these legitimate creatures? Is yeah. it just the fact that these people are high AF and seeing... Higher than a hippie and a hang glider? <laughs> I mean, we don't want anyone exactly. to try this, but if you have and you have experience you want to share with us, we would totally hear that. Yeah, Joe Rogan, I guess, is all for... like D- I, have, I have friends that I know took DMT. Yeah. But I just... Ooh, that's just a no. That's a big nope. That's <laughs> the, the yeah. biggest nope bus of them all for me. Like hallucinogenics <laughs> freak me out. Like, re- like researching drugs freak me out. Like I did not like researching this one and... I was just I, it, like some of the I didn't even put all the accounts I just picked and chose a couple of them but there's so many accounts of what people see like the especially with the the DPH stuff with the Benadryl with like the nightmarish things you know like there was one I was reading where this guy was talking to somebody in Iriel or whatever it is and then while he was talking to this guy this guy like 
turned aside something on the side of his face and like pulled his face like <laughs> the face was a mask and there was like oh nothing God. underneath it and it's just like who would want to see that <laughs> not me no <laughs> so oh my God. yeah nope so yeah i'm noping all there over we that. go that I is... think you and I have a, a, a distinct fear of feeling like we've lost control over Yeah, because you and reality. I have like a control thing. Yeah. Like you and I do not, the same reason we don't think mind. that we can be possessed because right. we have such a clamp on our mind mm-hmm. that I think you and I are on the same boat when it yeah. comes to this stuff. We're not it's terrifying be... to me to think that I would lose a grip on reality. Yeah. Ugh. And it terrifies me to think of people that have done this and then they come back to reality and then these things seem to follow them back and they have, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. So I will say, and I, I I won't go into details, but I was young once, 20 <laughs> years were. ago. I have experienced, not what we're talking about today, but I have experienced other things. And I, I for the most part, never enjoyed it. It was terrifying yeah. for me. And, and I could would you never imagine, do it again. Could you imagine this? Like some of no. the, experiencing some of this no. stuff? Especially now that I'm older and I feel like I'm... That sort of thing really freaks me out more than it did 20 yeah. years ago. So no, I can't imagine it. No. And again, someone with anxiety would find would in that moment when you're not sure what's going on, you would freak if it's out real, so bad. If you're dying, God, if you feel yeah. like it's never going to yep. end, oh, it's like the worst anxiety ever. Yes. So, what so. do you guys think of uh, DMT, DPH, Iri- the land of Iriel, uh, machine elves? What do you guys? What's the other this? one? Inner space? Wait, no, what? Hyperspace. Hyperspace. Yeah, with DPH, it's Iriel and the nightmarish hallucinations, and with DMT, it's hyperspace and uh, self-dribbling jeweled basketballs that are <laughs> sure. just super excited to see. Kind of like Lucy, like like when Lucy really? sees. Oh my me. god, yes, <laughs> that's <laughs> Lucy. It is Lucy. Oh, that's funny. So there you go. <laughs> Don't do any of this stuff, folks. No. Seriously, like no. Say no to drugs. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to take Benadryl anymore now. <laughs> So now what? Uh, song, cho- song choice. Let's do our song choice. Okay. And then we'll do a listener question, which I saw a couple weeks ago when I was scrolling through our list of questions and I wanted to save it for our explicitly marked episode just because it deals with the S word. Satan? No. Saturated fat? <laughs> no, right now it's what I'm dealing with with these... Uh, snow? Earls. Is it snow? No, I wish it was snow. It's going to be so hot today. <laughs> Uh, okay. Although we don't have it as bad as like the Pacific Coast. Oh my gosh! The, I can't believe so. Our I listeners over s- there, I am sorry that I heard somewhere in Canada got up to 120. Yeah, I am sorry that. I mean, it's been warm here, but not that warm. No, yesterday it was actually chilly. That's like, like dangerous. Yeah. like really dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yesterday was beautiful. Yeah, yesterday was like a perfect day. <laughs> it really was. Do you want to explain what our song? Theme oh, is? our song theme for this oh. week is uh, a song you like that is disturbing. Mm-hmm. That's all it said. Okay. A song you like that is disturbing. And it's funny because we were both initially like, oh, this is going to be hard. Oh, um, it, it, after a little bit of thinking, mine wasn't. Then it became hard. Well, how do I pick just one? Yeah. Because I told Kurt, if you're into any sort of metal band or <laughs> That's gonna rock be disturbing. or yeah. whatever, they all sing about really disturbing stuff. And I, went, I, I went a different route with it. Okay. Would well, you want to go first? You can go I'm, first. Oh, shoot. Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna eat some more. So of these I boots. really had a hard time narrowing it down to one song. Um, so yeah, the one song, <laughs> I guess the song I'm gonna pick. This is a band I've seen live, and it was an epic experience. And it's a band that it's I would call it almost musical activism. Um, it's Rage Against the Machine. Oh yeah. If you're familiar with their music at all, they they sing. Well, Zach De La Rocha, that's the lead singer. Yeah. Singer. He's more of a rapper. He doesn't really sing. Um, but uh. 
his lyrics are very much about like just the atrocities that are happening in the yeah. world and how the the forces that should be making things right are just perpetuating what's happening and yep. anyway he is, raging, he is raging against the machine he is raging all the time against the machine <laughs> We were watching some live performances last night. Man, if you have not watched Rage Against the Machine, if you don't see them in person, try to look them up on YouTube. I'll probably post a live video, but it is intense. He is yeah. so intense. And I'm like, he is probably just like the most intense person just off the stage. But yeah, he's real angry. Um, but the well, song... rightly so, a lot well, of Totally, times. yeah. I mean, he's, he's talking about war and yeah. racism and just all of it. Yep. Anyway... The song I picked is Gorilla Radio. Never heard um, of it. You have. I'm sure you have. It's a... I've heard the, I won't do what you tell me. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's Killing in the Name yes, of. which is a good song. Yes, it is. That was one of my running songs back when I was running. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a great song live. Let's just say the energy in that song is incredible. <laughs> I saw Gorilla them at Radio. Alpine Valley. Yeah, Gorilla Radio. And the way that I interpret that is they're kind of pirating the sound waves to get their message yeah. out, sort of. That's how... Maybe I'm misinterpreting yeah. it. But it's it's talking about war. It's talking about things like that. And actually, the, the reason that I like the song, and I have to look it up because I'm going to get it wrong, but there's a line at the end that always kind of gets me like, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it really, um, it's powerful. It's just a really powerful, it's sort of like, um, hold on. I can't type and talk at the same time. <laughs> My thing is like, what? Oh, that's probably because that's not how you spell gorilla. Um, it, the, the line at the end set. Well, so the main chorus is lights out, gorilla radio, turn that yeah. <laughs> S up. Yeah. Um, and it says, there's this line that says, it has to start somewhere. It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? And he kind of whispers it. And then it goes into this thing of him just screaming over and over again, all hell can't stop us now. And it's just like, I think that's how he is. Like, a, yeah. Like, we're going to make some change. We're yeah. going to do something about what's happening right now. Yep. And what better time than right now? And so it's a disturbing song and the lyrics are disturbing. And of course, the subject is disturbing. But there's that part at the end where it's like you feel empowered at the end. You're like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. You know, gets you going in the morning. Awesome. So, yeah. Rage Against the Machine. Virtually any Rage Against the Machine song, but the one I'm picking today is Gorilla Radio. I've only heard like a couple songs by them. So another side note, the the show that I saw them at was Tibetan Freedom Concert. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that. It was, was something that... Beastie Boys? Yeah. yeah. Adam Yelt is actually yeah. the one who yeah, started that. orchestrated yes. that because he was, he was a Buddhist and it was about freedom for the Tibetan monks. Anyway, it was Run DMC... Um, Rage Against the Machine and the Beastie Boys. And Jim and I were talking last night. I went for the Beastie Boys because everybody knows I love the Beastie Boys. I don't remember any of their performance. <laughs> yeah. All I remember was Rage, Rage Against, Against the, the Machine because they yeah. just this stole the show. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And that's your disturbing pick? Yep. Why is it disturbing? Just the subject matter. Okay. Uh, War I, and I death went, and, you know. I, I kind of went a completely different route. <laughs> that's okay. We usually do. Mine is more disturbing because of who does it, who sings the song. Is it like a Marilyn Manson song? You're close. Okay. You're close. <laughs> it is the song, Look at Your Game Girl. You ever hear of it? Look at Your Game mm -hmm. Girl? 
by none other than the family man himself, Charles Manson. Oh, <laughs> it is one of Charles okay. Manson's songs. And yeah, I knew he was a songwriter. When I musician. was younger, I had hel- the book Helter Skelter, and mm-hmm. I used to read that all the time. I was like fascinated with with the Manson family and yeah. stuff. I think I told Still this am. story on here that when I was going to the center in Manitowoc, my friend Julie at the time, her and I were in the computer lab, and we had a paper, like a big, like our final paper to write for English class and it had to be something about the subject of control and i was doing mine on spousal abuse okay and i got done typing mine and julie was sitting next to me and she just bursted out crying and Mm. i'm like what's wrong and she's like i can't i don't know what to do this is due tomorrow i can't do this and i was like do you want me to do it for you because i had helter skelter with me at the time so I finished my paper and then I wrote one for her on how Charles Manson controlled his followers. In that moment? Wow. And yeah, in that moment right there, I ended up getting like a B minus and she got an A plus on hers. And I was like, wow, I maybe should have went. <laughs> right. So like I, I, I know a lot about Charles Manson and all that stuff. And when I was younger and had that book, I, you know, there's stuff in there about but him being a musician and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like one of the songs that he did was called Look at Your Game Girl. But back then... I didn't, we didn't have YouTube and I didn't have access to hear any of this stuff. So then like a couple of years ago, I was reading something about Charles Manson and that popped up and I'm like, I'm going to go on YouTube and check out this song. And I checked it out and I'm like, I actually really like this song. Like it floors me that he was actually like a good, mm-hmm. like it's a good song. It's mm-hmm. like a good sixties, like just him and an acoustic guitar, but it's a good song. And I really genuinely like the song and I find myself singing it sometimes. And it's like, it's I'll be Charles interested to Manson. hear this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's. I don't know. Like Charles Manson is fascinating. We should totally. have a show on him. We totally could. You know, uh, just maybe, the whole idea well, of you cults. And I, yeah, the cults. But you know, we talked about possibly doing a like bonus Patreon slash coffee episodes. Yeah, that aren't exactly that paranormal. aren't exactly paranormal. Mm-hmm. So we could do one on. I'm gonna sneeze. I can feel a sneeze coming. Well, while you're working on your sneeze, if anyone is watching the Sons of Sam on Netflix, <laughs> that is a fascinating documentary, and there's a tie-in with the. The Manson Manson's? family, yep. But yeah, so my song is Look at Your Game Girl by Charles Manson, which I really genuinely like the song, and then I love it, and I'm thinking, this is from Charles Manson. By the way, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Charles Manson was weird, because he didn't, te- he wasn't technically, did he kill them? I mean- No, he didn't. He, the first, the, the Sharon Tate he stuff, influenced he wasn't other there people. for. Yeah. yeah. So he, it's just like, I'm fascinated with the guy. Mm-hmm. So is he still alive or did no, he, he died pack- a couple years ago? Just back. a couple years yeah. ago. Okay. Yep. But yeah, that's my song. So we will post these in the strangers yeah. for okay. your listening enjoyment. Pickle joke? Nope. Question. Oh, this is our, our question we, about we have, salsa music. We have one question. <laughs> and I saw this one a couple weeks ago when I was scrolling through them and I saved them for this one because I knew this one was going to be an explicit even though it's not going to be super explicit, but it still deals with with this. Sexual stuff. So the question said, I'm a relatively new listener, and while listening to the episode about empaths from many years ago, mm. Kurt talks about not having sex. Has that changed since then? <laughs> Have the podcast groupies got him to give it up to them? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Wow, I can't answer this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm... <laughs> podcast groupies is that even a thing no i've yet to run across one i mean i work with a couple people who listen and that's about it but no i haven't it's just it's not you know it's uh, then this is something i i'm comfortable talking like if you're my friend you know that i don't have sex 
you know, and I'm okay with talking about that. It's I mean, when you have a girlfriend, you do, but you haven't had a girlfriend. Yeah, in a but very it still freaks time. me out. Like something about sex freaks me out. I mm-hmm. don't like it, and I think part of it is that. You know, part of it, I think, is the empath thing where it's too much energy too all at once. It's too, ma- too many, too much energy flying around the room. You know, I don't know <laughs> if it's like a giving up control thing. It's just like, it freaks me out. And it, it sh- is a vulnerable thing. It is a very vulnerable mm-hmm. thing. And no, it freaks me out. I Do mean, you like, go solo? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's the thing. It's like, a, that, you have I, total I, control I think I talked about that on, in the empath episode that a friend of mine is like a hardcore asexual and, and, uh, she asked if I would join her her online group, and I said, "Well, can you do the solo thing?" And she said, "No." And I was like, "Yeah, count me out." I'm like, "So she doesn't even do that." No. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, you know, like I always say, if that was a sport, I'd be on the Olympic <laughs> team. But you know, and it's it's uh, it's um, it's it, different though. It's different. Like it freaks me out. It's it's like it's like if somebody asked somebody with claustrophobia, "So did you go caving this weekend?" No, of course <laughs> yeah. they didn't. So no. no, I haven't since then. Uh. If the opportunity came up, I would be super scared about it. Mm. I'd be like really scared about it because there is something about sex that freaks me out. Mm. It really does. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I was not molested as a kid because that constantly comes up when people, because mm. people get really, really curious about this yeah. and try to figure out why. Because it's one of our most basic human it is, desires but, and instincts, you know. But, you know, I, I don't know. It just freaks me out. So I just don't do it. And but no, since since the empath the, the podcast groupies haven't gotten me to give it up to them yet. <laughs> yet. But uh this kind of ties in with this and I thought this was really cute. Uh I don't think I'll get in trouble for this because you know, like one thing that I said when I started with my teaching stuff, I am one hundred percent honest with my students. I am not gonna be the person that's gonna be like, I don't want to discuss that with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. You know, and then one day I was sitting outside at pack time, which is like our recess time. And there's a girl there that I absolutely adore, this girl. And she was dating another girl in the class. And uh, I was sitting outside by the tree during pack time, and the girl came up and she sat right next to me. And she goes, Mr. K, are you part of our LGBTQ community? Mm. I, but I, th- I think she was feeling me out to see if I was gay. Yeah. Because That's I'm, where everybody my knows mind that I'm, I'm like, all my students know I'm single and all this stuff. So I think she was feeling me out for that. And I said, no, I'm not. And I said, I have a lot of friends that are, and yeah. I think it's awesome. And she said, oh, so you have sex with women? And I said, I kind of don't. <laughs> Can't get to the point. <laughs> I kind of, I, I don't have sex. And she goes, can you, or do you choose not to? And I said, well, I choose not to. And then she said, oh, so you're ace. And I said, what's that? And she said, that means you're asexual. Mm. And I said, yeah, I guess I am. And she goes, well, then you're part of our community. Welcome oh, to the LGBTQ. Interesting. Yeah. So I just thought it was really sweet that she said yeah. that. But well, and, and that's intuitive. A that's very intuitive. Yeah, of but her. that's the thing is that like these kids are so self aware. That would have like, been on my six, radar. No, in sixth grade, no. But these kids are so self aware yeah. of God, of their grade. sexual identities right. and figuring out who they are. That's great, though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and that's the thing is that I've ta- told them. I've, I've told the vice principal. I told principal that I said I am not. I am honest with them. If they ask me this, I'm not going to be like, I, I don't feel comfortable discussing it because this is something they need to know. They need to know that like there's people right. that don't do it, you know, that don't, that feel comfortable not doing it. Well, you don't want to send the message that the topic is dirty. No, you know what exactly. I mean? It's exactly. perfectly normal. So yeah. I just thought it was yeah, cute yeah, yeah. when she said, oh, so you're ace. And she said, welcome, ace, welcome to our community. So, Kurt, so yeah. So I just thought that was really sweet. I didn't but know that that was part of. Apparently it is. But... So 
But yeah, I guess it's a sexual preference, right? It is not so having sex. <laughs> not having sex is a sexual to. preference. Yeah, yeah, I prefer not to. And no, it hasn't changed since the empath episode. Okay. That was how many seasons ago? God, that was that was like second Might have been season. season? Two? I think that was season two. Hmm. Yeah. So no, I haven't. I'm, I'm still holding on to that. I guess. All right. Yeah, so that's it for that. I just wanted to get that question yeah. out of the way because I was... It's been hanging over you for a while? It's been hanging over me for a while. Uh, I'm going to do a really dumb pickle joke. Aren't they all from this book? They are. They're all dumb. Why do gherkins giggle a lot? <laughs> I don't know. They're pickleish. Oh, that's actually cute. At least it has a cute photo that's actually, to go with that it. That one's actually Not cute. Photo, but... I'll accept that one. Should I do one from... Yes. Zion? Yep. Oh, and by the way, Coleman, <laughs> you sent those books like a year ago. Oh, I know. I'm finally starting to read them. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I've had them this whole time and haven't. Yeah. You will get them back, I promise. Um, oh, what is a duck on the 4th of July? What? A fire quacker. <laughs> it's timely and cute. It is. Okay. All right. The deets. You can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session without the S. We are on Instagram where Krista does just a fantabulous job at the Strange Sessions. You can send us postcards, snail mail, no ayahuasca, please, to the Strange <laughs> Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And you can give us phone calls, obscene or otherwise, at 920-443-9602. Yeah, we haven't had a voicemail in a while. No, we haven't had a voicemail in a while. That would be fun. Uh, we got lots, lots of nice emails. Uh, yeah. Messages, emails. Yeah, I sent you that the, the text or part of the, the conversation I had with Allie on on, on Instagram where mm-hmm. she was just having a really bad week and about yeah. how listening to us helps. So that's I something, that. like I said, you and I, like I was talking to Marcy me. about this yesterday and I said sometimes you and I, I think purposely try not to think of, of how many people listen yeah, it's a little freaky. And it freaks us out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, I think we try not to think about how many people truly... In my mind, it's still just me and you sitting down exactly. here talking. <laughs> it's like maybe Rhonda listening, Barry listening, <laughs> Corey right. listening. Yeah. So it's just, it's it freaks us out. And I, I think we try not to think about how many people listen. But then when we get a message about how we've affected someone or made someone's day better mm-hmm. at all, it really is touching to us. Especially someone who's not on social media. Yeah. So we don't interact yeah. with them at all. Yeah. It's really touching to us. It's so thank very you. very much. Yeah. And I think that's it. That's it too. Um, yep. After this, I head home for Asher's birthday party. We're and heading up north. We're done pretty early. It's not even nine o'clock. No, I got that's here. So good. I got here early too. Yeah. Uh, we'll do it while we can before it starts getting dark out again. Yeah. It's light so early. It is. I love it. So I think that's it. I think that's it. I feel like we were, we we're going to talk about something else, but if there is, I, I don't know what it, it would be. Still on my found footage movie kick, watching a bunch of those. Yep, he's got, got me. Got Krista hooked on. I've been assigned on, one to watch. Yep, and I got Krista tonight. hooked on the boys. Yeah, um, I didn't think I'd like the boys. On yeah, I didn't either Prime, because I'm not like a superhero it. person. Did you find as above so below yet? No. Okay, maybe you maybe watch tonight it. I'll see if I can yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, I'll check that out. And Willow Creek. Yes. Those are your assignments. Okay, but you need to watch a Death of a Vlogger. I will, but okay. you have to promise. I promise. I promise. I will. I will watch them. Okay. So I think <laughs> oh, I'm okay funny. taking the rest of these cheese curds home. Yeah, totally. Cheese curls. Awesome. I think that's it. Yeah, I think so too. Until we shut it off and we're like, crap, we forgot to bring up this. But 
Classic Strange Sessions. <laughs> so, from Krista and I in the Strange Cellar, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange.